0: Sharing your faith with others is a vital part of the Christian life. Do you know what to say? And just as important, do you know how to say it? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah offers advice from the Apostle Paul, who understood the value of engaging others with joy, charm, and wit. From Christ Above All, here's David to introduce the conclusion of his message, Christian Communication. And we want to thank you for joining us today. This is part
1: two of Christian communication from Colossians 4, 2 through 6. What Paul is teaching us about how we communicate with those who are Christians and those who are not. We'll get to our lesson in just a moment. Tomorrow and Friday, we're going to talk about Paul and his friends uh, as we conclude our discussion of the book of Colossians it means I only have a few days left to tell you about this great book that just came out. So we want you to have a permanent record of the teaching of the book of Colossians. It's so critical to, for the day in which we live. So we put it in a book. Every word, plus a lot of words we didn't time for on the radio, all of the footnotes, all of the places where we found the material. In the back of the book, there is a reader's guide, to help you interact with the material, perhaps even use it in your discussions with others. And uh, this 288-page hardback book, beautifully designed, is yours for a gift of any size during this month of August. Please ask for your copy of the book, Christ Above All, when you send your gift today. Well, let's get started with the rest of this lesson, and uh, we open our Bibles together once again to the book of Colossians. You know, here's the one thing you got to realize, if God opens a door, he means for you to walk through it. (laughs) A lot of people get open doors and they stand. isn't that a nice open door? (laughs) No, it's not for you to admire, it's for you to walk through. I remember one day we were talking about how Turning Point had now found almost all of the Christian television stations that would broadcast our television program, and we sort of said, you know, maybe we ought to quit just preaching to the choir just finding christian people who want to hear the gospel who want to hear the word of god that's wonderful i'm glad we do that but we ask god to open some doors for us so that we could take the gospel to people who would never go to church who would never hear the word of god who would never seek out faith and all of a sudden we start getting opportunities on the fox network on newsmax and lo and behold one day we found out we could go on the history channel monday through friday in the morning and then somebody said, have you ever heard of A&E? I said, yeah, I don't watch a and E. I I knew it was there somewhere. So now we're on A&E. God's opened all these doors for us to take the gospel into the world that doesn't embrace the gospel. And not only are they listening, they're responding, and we're hearing stories like you would not believe of how the gospel is changing lives. Now, those doors were open. I'll tell you what, if it's television, you better swallow hard before you walk through that door because it costs a bunch of money. But God has supplied the resources in a way that's just overwhelming to me. I just give you that little word of testimony as to the open doors that God has given, and not just here in this country. We do these events every year, and we've been in four different cities this fall sharing the ministry of Turning Point, Point. and this year our technicians put together this incredible video. And this video, I think it's three minutes long, but it tells the story of Turning Point In many of the countries of the world how God has taken turning point into places I'll never go. Did you know that I preach in four different languages, and they actually hear the words and see them come? Did you know that? I preach in two Indian languages. I preach in Telugu and Hindi, and if you see it You watch really closely. You'll know those words don't match the way my mouth is working But it looks like I'm preaching in those languages. It's the most unbelievable thing you've ever seen. I preach in Spanish I don't know anything but adios, that's all I know in Spanish. (laughs) But I preach the Word of God in Spanish. You know what that is, friends? That's God opening the doors. I could never make that happen. God opens the doors. And I would tell you as a church we need to continue to pray for open doors for the gospel, that the gospel might go to the places where people need it, and boy do they need it now more than ever before. He said pray for the connections, and then he said pray for clarity. This is another interesting thing. This great apostle, perhaps the greatest Christian who ever walked on this earth, apart from Jesus Christ, of course, he said, pray for me that I will have clarity. He said, pray that I will be able to present the mysteries of the gospel and that I will be able to demystify them. (laughs) He wanted the people to pray, not only that he would have opportunity, But he wanted them to pray that when he got the opportunity, he'd be able to clearly present the gospel. He talks about the mystery of Christ. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He said, pray that I will get these opportunities and that when I get them, I will be able to manifest the power of God and preach the gospel so people will understand and believe. Pray for clarity. Pray that I may make it manifest, he says in verse 4. Paul is telling us that we are not responsible for how others respond to the gospel, but we are responsible for the manner in which we communicate the gospel. Pray that we might make it manifest, make it clear. You know, I've been preaching the gospel for over 50 years, and every time I give the invitation or present the gospel, I always feel like I could do it better. You know how you feel when you know Jesus? You can't imagine anybody not wanting him. And so if they don't want him, it makes you feel like maybe you're not telling the story right. Maybe, could I try this again? You don't understand, if you knew Jesus, what he would do for your life. How can you say it clearer? How can you make it more plain? That ought to be the hope of every one of us who tell others about Jesus Christ. Back in 1949, George Roy and Elizabeth Wood, an American missionary couple, were serving in northwest China and Tibet. They were forced to leave the area A local leader named Pastor Mung took over the church of 200 people. The Woods returned to America, and by 1985, both of them had passed away without ever knowing what happened to the church that they started. In 1988, the Woods' son, George, returned to China and met with Pastor Mung and his wife, who were now in their 80s. For 28 years, the communist government had done their best to extinguish the church Pastor Mung wasn't allowed to preach and he spent time in prison. I think for nine years he was in prison. It was illegal to baptize. It was illegal to indoctrinate anyone under 18. When the government finally allowed Pastor Mung to reopen the church in 1983, there were only 30 people left. Assuming that the church was on its last leg, George Wood asked, Pastor Mung, how many believers do you have now? Pastor Mung's wife brought them a cardboard roll held together by yarn. The first page was filled with writing, five columns, name, age, gender, address, occupation. There were around 20 names on that page. George Wood continued turning over page after page with the names of the baptized. And finally he asked the Mung's, how many believers do you have? And they said, 1,500 baptized believers. In disbelief, George Wood asked, how did that happen? Pastor Mung smiled as he shared his secret for church growth. It wasn't a technique. It wasn't a program. He simply said, oh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we pray a lot. That's a pretty good way to reach people for Jesus Christ. Be excited about who he is, and as we learned earlier, pray a lot for the people you're trying to reach. I remember earlier on as a pastor here, we had a little program where we handed out cards to everybody, and there were five lines on the cards, and we said, write down the names of five people that you know, maybe they're in your family or people that you're close to that you know don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Write their names down and start praying for them every day. You may not feel qualified to witness to them. You might want to invite them to church. I mean, that's sort of been lost over the years, but just begin to pray for them. You know, you can't pray for somebody without God sooner or later helping you being the answer to your own prayer. And we did that, and we saw people come to Christ off our list. Not a bad thing to do. It doesn't have to be a church program. You can do it yourself. Begin to pray for the people you know, that you care about, that you love, and some of you, you, it's coming right to the top of your mind right now. You know who these people are. Don't just mourn the fact that they're not Christians. Start praying that they'll become Christians. Pray that God will give you a door of opportunity to speak the gospel to them in a conversational way that won't be offensive necessarily, but will be winsome. By the way, you know, there's a lot of craziness that goes about witnessing. And, and if you start to talk about witnessing to others, people just shrivel up and try to get away from you because they're so intimidated by it. Somebody's told them they got to go to a class and learn a method. You know what witnessing is? All it is is telling people what Jesus has done for you. That's all it is. Anybody can do that. Hey, did you know what the Lord did for me? Do you know how he saved me? Anybody can witness. You don't have to go to school. You don't have to take a class. You don't have to be mentored, although those things may be helpful. A witness is somebody who tells another person what Jesus Christ has done For you. Tell them and see what happens. Okay, how to pray for outsiders, now how to live with outsiders. After Paul asked the Colossians to pray for him and to pray for their unsafe friends, he turns his attention to the Colossians' own efforts. In verse 5 he says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Now he's going to say, it's important that you witness, but it's also important that you live what you believe. (laughs) Those who are outside, that's one of the ways Paul described those who didn't know Jesus Christ. They're outside of the family of God. And though Paul and Jesus considered believers to be insiders, this was never intended to give us a superiority complex. We should never get the idea that, oh, we're in the church. We know Jesus good for us. No, it should humble us. And motivate us and cause us to walk in such a way that we wouldn't do anything by the way we live That would destroy our verbal testimony and that's a really important thing And it's meant to convict us a little bit if you want to know the truth the word walk here It's in the present tense. It means your daily routine Let your daily routine be such that as you walk through your life that you live wisely And you don't do things that will cause people who aren't Christians to see you and be discouraged from becoming Christians. That's a hard thing, you know, sometimes we like to be very sanctimonious the way we talk, but if we're not living the life in conjunction with what we're saying, we're actually doing more damage. We're supporting the idea that Christians are just a bunch of sanctimonious people who talk a good game, but don't walk a good game. The best thing you can do to win your friends to Christ is to live for Jesus Christ every day. You know, nobody's gonna be perfect, but you know what I'm talking about. Don't try to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Be Christians, and then your witness will have meaning. But if you witness and your life is a mess, you ought to just keep your mouth shut until you get it straightened out because you're doing more damage than you're doing good. Now, some people look at that and say, good night, I hope I don't get what she has, you know? That's kind of the way it goes. No, I'm not saying you have to be perfect or you have to be without mistake. You can forgive and all of that. But what I'm saying is be serious about your walk Richard Halverson, the late chaplain of the United States Senate, once said, You've got the right to say anything you like, but others don't have to listen. They're under no obligation to tune you in, and when they do, they can also tune you out anytime they want to. Your right to speak is guaranteed, but you must earn the right to be listened to. That depends on your integrity. Your integrity is the prerequisite to acceptance if you expect to be paid attention to back it up with your life Let your walk correspond to your talk Sheldon Van Auken wrote something I put down in my notes many years ago, and it's pretty powerful Here's what he said the best argument for Christianity is Christians Their joy their certainty their completeness, but the strongest argument against Christianity is also Christians When they are somber and joyless, when they are self-righteous and smug in complacent consecration, when they are narrow and repressive, Christianity dies a thousand deaths. And if Jesus Christ changes you from the inside, you should be changed. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. What is there in your life that's new? Because Jesus Christ is your Savior and he's your Lord. Peter once wrote these words. He said, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lust that war against the soul having your conduct honorable among the gentiles that when they speak against you as evil doers they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation Paul told the Colossians to redeem their time that's a business word that you would go to a place and you would make an offer on something and you would buy it and you'd redeem it. He said, make sure that you buy up the time that you have. That's a very serious thing, especially now. We're living in days when, you know, it seems to me like you can almost hear the trumpet out there practicing for the return of Christ because the things on this earth are so in such an upheaval. Every moment counts. Every day counts. Every opportunity counts. Paul said, redeem it. Don't let it pass by. Take advantage of the opportunities that God gives you. Redeem the time. The psalmist said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So he teaches us how to pray for outsiders. He preaches us how to live in front of outsiders. And then he gives us a little course on how to speak to them. I love this verse. This would do so much good for all of us, if nothing else, to put in practice every day. Verse 6 says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So Paul goes from praying to living to speaking, and he says, here's some things about speaking. He said, let your message, your conversation always be gracious. Do you know what I mean when I say she's a gracious person? You know, he talked to me about Jesus Christ, but he was so gracious about it. There was such a compassion in his voice about this situation. He didn't just come and beat me over the head with the Bible and tell me I was lost and going to hell and if I didn't get saved and you need to do it right now. I mean, listen, folks, those days are over. You can't do that. When you talk to somebody who's lost, when you talk to somebody you love who needs Jesus Christ, here's the testimony. Do it with grace. And then he says, throw a little salt in it. And salt is an interesting thing in the New Testament. It was the use of salt that helped something not decay But it was also used to create thirst There's a reason why they sell all that popcorn at these games You know that don't you you just watch you have you popcorn You'll be back for a large drink if you didn't get one in the first time because popcorn is full of salt and salt makes you thirsty Here's what Paul is saying when you talk to your friends who don't know the Lord Jesus be gracious and Make them thirsty for what you have. Feel your conversation. Tell them the good things that God has done in your life. William Barclay once wrote these words. I love this man. He was a historic commentator. He said, Christians must have charm and wit in what they say so that they may know how to give the right answer in every case. Here is an interesting instruction. It is all too true that Christianity in the minds of many is connected with a kind of sanctimonious dullness and an outlook in which laughter is almost a heresy. Christians must commend their message with the charm and the wit that was in Jesus himself. There's too much of the Christianity which depresses people and too little of the Christianity which sparkles with life. Now I'm going to walk on some dangerous territory here for just a moment because I think a lot of things that happen in church today may not be encouraging to those. There's a lady, I don't know who she is, she sent a letter to one of our staff and they read it to me last week. And here's what she said. I'm very depressed, and very discouraged. She says, I go to my church every week and I come away more discouraged than when I went. And then she described it. First of all, she said, I walk in the door and it's so dark, I can't see anybody. And then she said, before we get started, they start putting smoke everywhere. So she said, I'm sitting in the dark and smoke is rolling off the platform. And then they start to sing their songs and they're so sad. And she said, oftentimes I leave with my head down, I'm discouraged. Now, I know that's a stereotype and probably there aren't many churches like that. But let me tell you what I know, men and women. The gospel should never make you sad. The gospel should make you glad. And if you study the book of Acts, gladness is painted over every page in that book. They were filled with joy, and they rejoiced, and they had gladness. No, the Bible says we're to be filled with this joy. Now, we don't have to manufacture it. We just have to let the Lord express himself through us. If you know Jesus Christ, so Paul says, this is how you speak. You speak with grace, and you salt it a little bit with your wit and your joy and who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for you. So here we've learned how to pray for those who we want to see come to Christ. And we learned that we're supposed to live in a certain way before them. Don't destroy your opportunity by living in a way that's not right. And For every one of you, you know what that means. And then Peter says this, and I love this. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. There it is again. This is so counterintuitive to what often happens in the witnessing experience. Listen to this again. He said, always be ready. It doesn't say you always have to say. Just be ready. Have your answers. Think through what you're going to do, what you're going to say. And always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And do it with gentleness. And do it with respect. Someday. If you live for Jesus Christ, somebody's going to walk up to you and say something like this. Why are you the way you are? Because you're so different than everyone else. Why are you the way you are? And you know what the Bible says? You can't say, would you give me a couple of days to work on that and I'll give you an answer. No, you're to be ready with the answer. You're to be ready to respond, I am the way I am because Jesus Christ has changed my life. If you don't say anything other than that's a pretty good answer. Peter says, don't walk around petrified that somebody's gonna ask you about your faith. Walk around prepared with an answer that you've thought about. This is why I am the way I am, because there was a day in my life when somebody told me about Jesus Christ and he came and forgave my sin and he changed me from the inside out, hallelujah. Fritz Kreisler was a world famous violinist in the 20th century. He earned a fortune with his concerts and his compositions, but he generously gave most of it away. So when he discovered an exquisite violin on one of his trips, he wasn't able to buy it. Later, having raised enough money to meet the asking price, he returned to the seller, hoping to purchase that beautiful instrument. But to his great dismay, it had already been sold to a collector. Chrysler made his way to the new owner's home and offered to buy the violin. The collector said, you can't buy this violin. It's my prized possession, and he would not sell it. Keenly disappointed, Chrysler was about to leave when he had an idea. Could I play the instrument once more before it's consigned to silence? Permission was granted and the great virtuoso filled the room with such heart-moving music that the collector's emotion was totally destroyed. I have no right to keep that to myself, he exclaimed. It's yours, Mr. Chrysler. Take it into the world and let people hear it. Ladies and gentlemen, what Christ has done for us is so great, we have no right to keep that to ourselves. We need to take it into the world and let people hear it, let people see it, and always be ready to explain that it's not about us, it's about him and what he has done for us, he will do for anyone who will put their trust in him. Let that be our marching orders. Let's ask God this week for an open door. Lord, I am praying that you will give me an open door so that I can tell somebody why I love you so much. Hmm. Amen. Well, tomorrow and Friday, we're going to deal with the last verses of the book of Colossians. Oftentimes, these are kind of like, throwaway verses for many people, but th- these are not throwaway verses because Paul talks about a lot of individuals, and the comments that he makes and the instruction that he gives is so worthwhile, so don't forget to be with us uh, as we close out the book of Colossians here at the end of this week. And then next week we'll have a couple of uh, messages that are sort of stand-along messages, and uh, we're going to begin a new series in the month of September called My Heart's Desire. It's a series about the importance of worship, and we'll be telling you more about that in the days ahead. I don't want you to forget about the importance of our events this fall Thursday, October the 6th in Raleigh, North Carolina, at the PNC Arena. Thursday, October the 13th in the Orlando, Florida area at the Amway Center. And then Thursday, October the 20th in Greenville, South Carolina at the Bon Secours Wellness Arena. And Friday, November the 11th in Buffalo, New York at the Key Bank Center. And uh, the tickets are free, but you got to have them. So you need to order them from davidjeremiah.org slash tour. You will have them for every event I hope you will come. This is kind of like a regathering of us. We haven't been able to do this for a while because of all the issues we've been facing. So coming together again will be a great and wonderful moment, and I hope you'll take advantage of it. And uh, we'll be there for you. I hope you'll be there for us. And once again, just before we say goodbye, uh, don't forget to get your copy of the book, Christ Above All. When we do these special resources, they last for one month. And when the month is over, the resource goes away. You can't get this book after the end of August for a gift of any size. So be sure and order your copy today. Send your gift. And then be sure to say, send me the book, Christ Above All. And it will be in your arms before you know it. See you next time. This is David Jeremiah.
0: The message you just heard came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. To share how God is using this ministry in your life, write us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098 Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, Christ Above All, a verse-by-verse study in Colossians to help you truly know who Jesus is. It is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Christ Above All, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you want to learn more about the person of Jesus Christ, the book of Colossians offers an unrivaled portrayal of our Savior. And to help you understand this important book in a deeper way, Dr. David Jeremiah has created a verse-by-verse study called Christ Above All. This helpful book and album are yours when you donate $60 to Turning Point. And with an $80 gift, you'll also receive the written word journal. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. William E. Sangster was a great British preacher of the first half of the 20th century.
1: When he visited America, someone asked him what impressed him most. He said, America seemed to have more of everything than any other nation. More cars, more appliances, more of everything. In fact, Sangster said, I've noticed that you also have more books on how to be happy than anybody else. What was he saying? Well, the same thing the Bible says, that happiness is not to be found in the abundance of our possessions or even our books about happiness. We only need one book to discover true happiness. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's ways to be happy
0: on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life.